show 22 new cases in Carmarthenshire, 14 in Pembrokeshire and 1 in Ceredigion. The total number of cases in Wales is now 201,688 with 5,237 deaths. The total number of cases across the three counties is now 15,307. That's 10,343 in Carmarthenshire, 1,703 in Ceredigion and 3,261 here in Pembrokeshire. Dr Robin Howe, Incident Director for the COVID-19 Outbreak Response at Public Health Wales, has said... Coronavirus rates have fallen in every part of Wales but remain higher in some parts. We remind the public that we remain under level 4 restrictions to keep infection rates falling. Please stay at home, meet only the people you live with, work from home if you can, wear a face covering, wash your hands regularly and stay 2 metres from anyone you do not live with. As primary school children aged 3 to 7 years in foundation phase will be able to return to face-to-face learning, we thank parents for their perseverance during the winter. We need your continued support to control the spread of coronavirus, so please do not send your child to school if they are unwell, even if you are not sure if they have coronavirus, and please continue to work from home if at all possible. Dr Howe continued on the return to school, saying when you take your child to school, always keep your distance from other parents, wear a face covering, and don't stay around and chat. Please don't invite other children or their parents to your home to play or stay, even outdoors, and even if they are in the same bubble at school and make sure your child understands the importance of washing their hands regularly. The police have made an arrest in connection with the suspicious death of a woman in Pembroke Dock on Saturday. A police spokesman said David Powis Police is continuing to investigate the death of a woman in Market Street in Pembroke Dock. One person has been arrested in connection with the death, which is currently being treated as suspicious. Officers remain at the scene and are currently working to establish the circumstances surrounding her death. A 40-year-old Haverford West woman has been put under a curfew for assault a police officer. Claire Evans of Market Street appeared before the town's magistrates on February 16th. She pleaded guilty to assaulting an emergency worker, PC Emma Robertson, by beating her. The incident occurred at Haverford West Police Station two days previously on Sunday. The court found that the offence was aggravated by being committed against an emergency worker carrying out her duty. Magistrates made a community order with Miss Evans put under a 14 week curfew with electronic monitoring. This requires her to stay at home between 6pm and 6am daily. She was also ordered to pay £50 compensation, a surcharge of £95 to fund victim services and costs of £85 to the Crown Prosecution Service. I am Charlie James and you are up to date on Pure West Radio. Follow Pure West Radio on Instagram at Pure West Radio.
Well, a very good evening and welcome to Pure West Sports on a Monday evening with G&G Builders. More at PembrokeshireBuilders.co.uk. I'm Ben Stone. It is Pure West Sport. We've got a really busy hour coming up and we are live right now on the Pure West Radio Facebook page as well. And between now and nine, we'll be talking indoor cricket in Pembrokeshire with Peter Davis and some great news on the cricket fixtures that have been released for a new season in Pembrokeshire. And we'll be meeting Gareth Reynolds from Dale who's just done an incredible challenge. He's rowed 3,000 miles of the Atlantic Ocean solo from the Canaries to the Caribbean. So there may be something of a nautical theme to proceedings this evening. I won't be asking Bill Kahn to walk the plank or anything like that. Bill, how are you? I'm fine, thank you, Ben. All the better for speaking to you again, my young friend. You're looking chipper there, despite Tottenham's debacles, disasters, Keep smiling. Yeah, we'll come to that. We'll come to that. Five defeats in six, better performance. And it was good to see Gareth Bale back involved yesterday. Gordon Thomas, how are you? I'm very good, Ben. I've had a good weekend. How are you? Yeah, not bad at all. We missed the Six Nations and we'll come to that before uh, nine o'clock. Small matter of England versus Wales to come in Cardiff this weekend. And good evening to Fraser Watson. No need to talk football from my end either this weekend, Ben, but other than that, very good. Yeah, didn't see that one coming, did we? Swansea losing 4-1 at Huddersfield. That was unexpected. There's no doubt about it. Let's have a quick uh, whistle around the table, shall we? And let's get some sporting highlights from the weekend. So, Fraser, it it wasn't Swansea's performance, but I think you're going to pick out a former Swansea player. Yeah, absolutely. Very encouraging sign for Wales, actually, and and the player himself, Dan James. Um, You know, I think... Started well at Manchester United, then I thought was quite badly mismanaged by Solskjaer in that first season. I thought he was flogged quite mercilessly when he was actually brought, realistically, as a player of potential who needed to be nurtured towards his prime, really. But in the last couple of months, we've seen little signs of, of the player that we saw at Swansea. You know, that great pace, very exciting, threatening for defenders. And the same in a Welsh shirt. Well, he needs work, you know, positionally he needs work. We all know that. But, you know, he's, he's been to add some end product now. He scored a vital goal yesterday. He scored, looked very good in the Europa League on Thursday. And it'll be a big boost for Wales if he can get minutes under his belt with United now and perform like he has done of late. Yeah, rapid, no doubt about it. Gordon, no Six Nations this weekend for you to enjoy. Do you have a sporting highlight for us? I know you've had a busy weekend. Oh, well, Fraser's uh, spoken about Manchester United. <laughs> I dis- I disagree that he's been uh, mismanaged. He's a young man, Mr James. He's still learning his trade. Uh, Solskjaer will give him his opportunity, and he has done the last few weeks, and he's taken it. But he isn't the finished article. There's a lot, lot, lot more to come from Dan James, and hopefully we will see that over the next few seasons. Um, Manchester United won again at the week- weekend. It was I was disappointed to see Swansea lose, mm. but a little bit disappointed to see Liverpool lose against Everton. I can't remember the last time they lost in the, uh, a Merseyside yeah. derby. Prof yeah, Bill will fill, fill me in yeah, and tell me when that was. Disaster <laughs> for all of us, right? Manchester United are rubbish anyway. Freezer lost 4-1 with Swansea. <laughs> ben, we don't want to talk about Tottenham. You want to know what my highlight was? Go on then, Bill. I'm almost ashamed to say this. but it was, in, it was snooker. It's so, so okay. slow. But I enjoyed watching this young fella, uh, Jordan Brown. Uh, he did brilliantly. And the lowest. If we're talking about Welsh rugby ever, I refer to the magnificent score of Ospreys 10 Zebra nil after 73 minutes, it was 3 0. What was doing box kicking? Start you know, setting up rucks and malls, charging a yard, gaining a yard, losing a yard. I switched it off. 
Go. Yeah, it wasn't the classic. I, I did see a bit of it myself as well. Um, let's let's move on. What um, about yours then? What was the highlight? Well, I, I am going to pick Gareth Bale because I thought his second half performance yesterday was a bit like oh. Gareth Bale of old. And come on, Bill, it's good news for Wales, I think. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, but he missed the sitter. And actually, we let's just go go to a. Oh, he didn't miss a sitter. He nearly scored the goal of the weekend, Bill, from about twenty five yards. Uh, Noel Lyons has already got in touch, and he's asked Bill. And Fraser and Gordon, I don't know where we go with this one. Is snooker yeah. even a sport? I, I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. Yeah. Well done, Noel. Over to you, God. Yeah, it's a sport. I'm going to be on the good side for a change. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, tonight, Boris Johnson has, of course, laid out the, the roadmap for, for what coronavirus regulations are going to look like in England. Uh, very important to say that that only covers England, but it might just give an indication of what's to come from a sporting perspective in Wales. So I thought we we would cover this to, to kick off the show um, this evening because it, it looks like in, in England, grassroots football can return from the 29th of March. Does that give us some hope that we might see a bit more sport in Pembrokeshire in the the weeks to come? Fraser? I mean, it's been reiterated all afternoon, hasn't it? These rules only apply to England. But they certainly supply, I think, quite a strong indication of what's going to happen in Wales. Um, I think golf courses will now be on alert. We're looking at March the 29th in England. I don't envisage it being any earlier here. Mark Drakeford has tended to err on the side of caution and always being a slightly more cautious or behind what Boris Johnson said. But gyms as well have got some kind of resumption date. Yeah. Uh, again, looking at that in the middle of April, and then we should be clear in time for competitive cricket. Again, if we follow the guidelines England have by April 24th. So there is positive news um, today. It, we are still cautious about it because as we keep reiterating, it's England. It doesn't apply for Wales. But certainly just to see those dates, albeit on the other side of the bridge, see potential resumption, you know, see a time when restrictions may be lifted to allow us to get out there and play and watch and cover sport again, will have given everyone a little bit of a lift. So it's cautious optimism, I think, from mm. happening then. And I think it has to be maintained. Um, uh, Bill, you and, and Gordon, I think Fraser as well, have been to the Bridge Meadow during the, the COVID uh, experience and, and, and you went through numbers, numerous tests before you could go in and, and you know, temperature testing or all that type of thing. Uh, we're not closer yet, really, to knowing when Haverford West County might be able to resume. Just just remind us what that experience was like when you went to the Bridge Meadow, because it could be that, that we do see football back in the Welsh Premier League sooner rather than later. I think on the, on the whole, there's going to be some good news coming out very soon. I hope so. But it was surreal. I mean, if you look, I was there for every game. Gordon missed one. I think Fraser missed them whenever Swansea City were there. So he's no yeah. no Harvard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> that, that, that will remain my list of priorities yeah. as well. I'll, I'll... But um, it was surreal, Gordon. Wasn't it? There were four of us. It was. Bell. I can't remember who the other one was. But anyway, you went in. You had your um, temperature taken. You had to fill in a form. You had to make sure you stayed in your area there and you couldn't move from there. It didn't stop us enjoying the evening, God, did it? We had, no, it didn't. Watch no, the football. Right. And, and they, Harvard West County, Julie Le Grice, Dr. Richard Thompson, the others that were helping there did a brilliant job. And they made sure that you would go in there and feel totally safe. So that, if that starts again, we could feel very comfortable about going mm. in there. Mm. i tell you it what was, did surprise me, Bill. I was going to check this with both of you. It was during those games, the amount of Opposition, we'll say guests, but in reality, supporters yeah. who are allowed down yeah. to watch those games. Well, I don't know what you boys thought of that. 
Yeah, I, I, there was probably a few more than just committee members there, Fraser, if I'm honest, but they were associated with the club in some sort of official capacity. And, um, you know, and they were all checked before they came through and everybody was socially distanced. So I, I didn't have a problem with that, to no. be honest with you. No, and mm-hmm. I agree with Gordon, but I didn't think there was a massive... What, what amazed me was these sides who came down from North Wales. I expected some people to go outside the ground on the bank behind the far post and mm-hmm. watch um, the game. A lot of them were hating and were cheering on Jack and Ben. But in every game, God, there were people from North Wales, weren't it? They yeah. stood outside the ground on that uh, area of ground there, up on a bank behind in one one area. I'm not sure if we actually saw one on a ladder there once. The and I spoke six. to two. Yeah. yeah, I spoke to two guys from I think Carnarvon, and they were saying they would they would see that game if they had to buy a ladder and mm. watch it over the top. And the support from these sides was fantastic, but it didn't impinge on the game. And the, the uh, Premier League deserve a medal for their strict regulations and Harvard West County by God they implemented them and I give my huge pat on the back well let's hope we hear something soon about when we we might see football back Mm. for for Harvard West County Gordon what's what's about locally I know the the Pembrokeshire League in terms of football it isn't going to be resuming we we know that but do you think there's an opportunity that we might see some grassroots sport played even if it's just friendlies to start with I think we'll have some trepidation about the senior sides actually playing again because obviously uh, Haken had their problems, which uh, Chris Tanzi had told us a couple of weeks ago, that when they had their game against each other, uh, somebody was COVID positive and then they all had to self-isolate. So it affected their uh, working uh, you know, lives. They had to self-isolate for 10 days. Um, junior football might have a chance of having some sort of friendlies, which would be great for kids because, um, mm. you know, mm. at that age and even, you know, that age, that's all you want to do is have a game of football on a Saturday morning. It would be fantastic if uh, that could be made available. But then I think there still be some strict guidelines into people's spectators watching and everything else. But Fingers crossed with the vaccine, things are moving quite nicely. It's not going to be the all, just because everybody's had the vaccine, it's going to be okay, because it's not. We still have to have measures in place. But hopefully we will see some friendly junior football would be really nice to see in this county in the months of perhaps end of March, beginning of April. That would be nice. Yeah, and it'd it be beg- great. Yeah, it, it does. And it begs the question then, at, at some point this year, you might see events like like the Parkrun, maybe, mm. um, you know, events like that p- possibly making a return. And I think, I, I don't think any of us have ever said we, we, we all want a cautious approach here. It needs to be yeah. cautious. It needs to be safety first. Um, and let's see whether we can get some sport back on because that's what I think what, what everyone wants at, at this moment. Uh, listen, we, we will take a moment. If you want to get involved, uh, hashtag Pure West Sport. Any questions for the panel, like is snooker a sport? We're, we're more than happy to take those. Uh, Franny has said, when Gareth Reynolds joins you, given he's an Atlantic rower, can you all sing row, row, row the boat gently across the sea? Row, Any takers? Row, row the boat gently down the stream. I'll, I'll give my rendition of it, I think. Bill Kahn, the voice of an angel, one, one being strangled, I think. Angel, yeah. Yeah. I've just gone quarter past eight. This is Pure West Sport. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Pembrokeshire Vision Arts Wales, a brand new creative hub in Haverford West. Playing host to a youth and amateur theatre company, a show-stopping choir 
and a multitude of masterclasses from Broadway and West End talent. Calling all actors, singers, dancers and those who want to bring the West End to Wales. Vision Arts has the spotlight and the curtain is about to rise. Ready to take centre stage? Visit visionartswales.com <laughs> Witness the evil power of Bedhead. No! My hair! Won't anyone help me? Stop right there, Bedhead! Your reign of hair-meddling terror is over. Freestyle, my old nemesis. You can't stop me, boyo. Guess again. Eat laser! No! I'll get you next time, freestyle! Oh, thank you! No problem. When it comes to Bedhead, you just got a freestyle. For wicked trims, call Freestyle Barbers, Portfield Haverford West on 07827445589. Oi, Bob. Have you heard the news? Good, thanks, Chris. What's that? We're one of the finalists for Butcher Shop of the Year. Oh, congratulations to you and the team, Chris. Wow, what's that smell? That's our homemade freshly cooked pies and pasties that we now serve daily in the shop. Looks and smells great. I'll have a steak and Guinness pie and the usual, please. Prendergast Butchers, Haverford West. Master Butchers, providing the finest quality meats to Pembrokeshire for 70 years. We're open for orders, either in the shop or on our website, prendergastbutchers.co.uk. If you can't get to us, no problem. We're offering a delivery service. Give us a call on 01437 763 387. Follow Pure West Radio on Facebook. Search for Pure West Radio. Is it really
Radio for a Monday evening, Pure West Sport with G&G Builders. We're live, of course, on the Facebook page. You're very, very welcome. Wherever you are listening to us this evening, get involved. Hashtag Pure West Sport. We'll, of course, turn our attention as well before the end of the show to the Six Nations. Small matter of Wales versus England to come in Cardiff. I'm expecting a bit of stick from the guys when we get to that point. Uh, But we do have a very special guest joining us right now, uh, fresh from doing an absolutely amazing challenge. Bill, I'm going to ask you to to introduce Gareth because I think there's a bit of a link between the two of you, which we might explore a bit as well. Yeah, just a bit. 20 years ago, he came into my year team in Milford Haven School as a a tiny young fellow with his sister Kay, who's even smaller. And in the meantime, I watched his uh, progress. I be- he became managing director of Dale Sailing, which is no uh, surprise. And when I heard that Gareth was going to do this mad monster row, I thought, he's a sailor, he's a gymnast, he's not a rower. So, Gareth, I applaud what you did. I still think you're nuts. I mean, when you look back <laughs> on it now, do you realise now what a challenge it was? I don't think you do, really. I think... Um... Since I got back, it just seems a bit odd now. It almost seems like it never happened. It's just, um, yeah, it's a bit of a, a bit of a strange one. Even after, like the day after you arrive, trying to think back to being on the water just seems like a lifetime ago. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a big thing to get around your, your head around. It's, um, even when you're out there, you're kind of just doing a day at a time. You never really realise the magnitude. It's just another day out on the water, really. Gary, mm-hmm. for people just joining us on Pure West Radio, can you just tell us what you did? So just, just tell us from the start to the finish what you actually did and this challenge you completed, because I think it's really important people listening get the, the scale of this. Yes, it's a, um, well, 3,000. It was actually 2,800 miles from La Gomera, uh, just off Tenerife, to Antigua in the Caribbean, so an Atlantic crossing in a 23-foot rowboat. I mean, you're just not doing it justice. So you're completely on no, your own as well, weren't you? <laughs> it was like, you're just sounding as if it was a, a paddle down at Tenby. I mean, on your own in the Atlantic Ocean. Why did you do it? Uh, the I, That's probably the main question everyone asks, but it's a hard one to put my finger on when the idea came around. I think the first time I saw it, it was it was like a miserable December day I was I was in the in the house in Dale, and I was just a bit a bit fed up. A bit, I'm having a bit of a low point in life, to be honest. And then um, just wanted something as a bit of a focus. I'd always wanted to do a big challenge, and a few of the lads had done the Ironman, and I wanted to beat the boys and do something a bit bigger. So well, on, I just on that uh, note, on that <laughs> was, note uh, I was just browsing YouTube, to be honest. Then um, I saw there was a team called Team Essence, and they they did a world record from mainland. Portugal to South America and I saw them finishing on the other end and they were all celebrating with a load of beers and it looked like they would just look absolutely haggard and I was just looking to see what they'd done. On, on that note, and then Gareth, I, I know you're not like 
I know you're not lying here, because I'm going to read out a quote you gave me just before you set off. Now, I was stuck in a rut and wanted an adventure. I, mean, <laughs> I was stuck in a rut this morning, so I ran three miles. And then that, that's sort of <laughs> and then at, at that point, I'd only tried rowing a couple of times when I was young, so it seemed like a mad idea, but for some reason it stuck in my head. Now, on, on a serious side to that, for someone who was an inexperienced rower, what kind of training regime did you have to go through to get yourself up to speed to take on something like this? Yeah, do you know, it was, um, I did it the wrong way around by anyone's kind of outside perspective. If you were a sensible person, you'd go and try one of those ocean rowing boats first and see if you liked it, Yeah, which is what the general plan is. The first time I tried one of them was when I'd actually secured the boat and got it back to Pembrokeshire and I was starting training. <laughs> so I just thought, I hope I like it. And um, do you know, I, I don't actually... At no point would I say I really enjoyed rowing, even when I was um, in full training. I enjoyed the getting out there and um, like exploring the Pembrokeshire coast. It was a good way to kind of get out in the summer, especially in lockdown. But, uh, Are you saying, yeah. Gareth, that you never did any rowing as a kid or as a teenager? Did you do rowing then? I, I did a six-week um, six rowing. It was like a – I can't remember what it was called now. It was some sort of novice event that they did around Pembrokeshire where you had to um, go from beginner and then train for six weeks, and then you had a race at the end in the Celtic Longboats. And I hated <laughs> yeah. every second. Like, I, I just swore I'd never get in a rowing boat again, so I don't know. <laughs> so I don't know so you I'm decided saying. to row 3,000 miles just for the fun of it? <laughs> well, I thought if it was something I enjoyed doing, it wouldn't be as much of a challenge, would it? It would be... Uh... <laughs> but uh, back, back to what, what Fraser said, it was... Um, it wasn't much rowing training, to be honest. It was a lot, a lot of time in the gym. Trained down in um, BeFit in Milford. He was one of my main sponsors. Um, so we kind of prepped down there, looked after me for like two years on just strength and conditioning stuff, really. And then the main rowing training was out on the water, just getting used to being on the boat and living the lifestyle of a, a nomad, really. Bill, Ben, one of the things I thought when I spoke to you the other day now ready to write an article, I thought your big worry would be the giant waves that slapped over the the boat and things. But so people know outside, although you were soaking wet for much of the time and was rowing almost 20 hours a day, there were other um, sort of problems that you had to face, like the the boats, the marlin, the the wind. Tell us a bit about all the, the, the immense problems you had to overcome. Because as Ben says, you sell yourself short. What you did was just incredible. <laughs> Tell us about the problems. Well, yeah, I actually hoped it was going to be a really rough crossing because I thought I'm I'm the opposite of a rower's build. So there was a lot of big, tall, powerful guys. So I was hoping if it was rough, my kind of time on the sea in life would help me out. But it just didn't end up being what you'd imagine the ocean to be like. It was all, it was rough, but it was in a different direction than I was hoping for. It was all just against us. So it was like a, a real mental battle for most of it. But in terms of yeah, the, what we were talking about the other day, there was a, an interesting thing kept happening this year. I say kept happening. It happened four times in the race where the boats were getting struck by marlin. So the marlin that you get out there, uh, I had one alongside the boat. You're talking like a 12-foot marlin. They look like a big shark. They're huge. And they were boats were getting struck. They, they reckon they were hunting fish or something, or they were... Um, no one really knew why, but the boats, the marlin were coming up underneath the boat, and two boats had a, a, a bill go kind of 12 inches through into the sleeping cabin. One of them actually went between a guy's legs when he was sleeping. Oh, oh that's a wake-up. Oh, yeah, which is unbelievable. <laughs> 
<laughs> and um, the other one, the, the guys went in the cabin on the other one, and then there was one guy who went through his food compartment and um, ruined a load of his food, and he had to repair that out on the water as well. So that was one of the dangers that no one really expected. Um, and then the rest of the dangers are just just trying to keep the boat going. It's just just for 50 days, you just feel like you're constantly repairing stuff. It's just getting hammered all the time. You've got a like, good question coming for you, Gareth, from Franny Ward, yeah. actually, just in our Facebook page. Did you have support <laughs> in case of emergencies and what provision we had were in a, place? A race, race support. So it was like, it was a phone number, basically. There was no, mm. there was a support yacht, which um, was more like a media boat, but that was that was best part of a thousand miles away from most people at, at every point. It kind of just went from one end of the fleet to the other and it never really stopped with anyone. Um, okay. But this, the main support they give you is on the phone. If, if you do get in major trouble, they'll try and coordinate a ship to rescue you or something. But the logistics of getting off a 20 foot boat onto a container ship in the middle of an ocean, are, like it's almost more dangerous than try, just patching it up and trying to make it yourself. You've said about the physical challenge and, and it obviously was a huge physical challenge, but you, you mentioned briefly there about the, the mental side of it as well. There must've been moments where in the, in those 51 days where you thought I can't keep going when you were in those moments, what, what convinced you to keep going? How, how, how did you convince yourself to, to keep at it and complete the challenge? Yeah, I think, I think that was a lot of being on your own as a solo rower as well. It's just, it's only yourself for motivation. It was a really, it was probably the, there was three weeks in the middle, which were really, really hard. The conditions were just against us all the way. You you hope when you get about halfway that the trade winds will kick in behind you and they'll start giving you a bit of a helping hand. But it just didn't happen. <laughs> just, uh, we, got, we got up to Christmas Day and then all of a sudden the wind came in from the wrong direction and it was just pushing us all backwards. So you'd, I think there was a day where I did, I rode for 20 hours and I made 12 miles, which if you imagine if you walked for 20 hours, 20 hours, you'd get a lot further than that. Mm. Yeah. Didn't like you, did you only get 100 miles in a week? Oh, it was, yeah, one of the weeks it was like you were lucky to get 100 miles in a whole week. And then compare that to once we did actually get into a decent bit of wind for a few days, we were doing 70, 80 miles a day then. So it's a, yeah. a huge, huge, huge contrast. And you're almost putting in more effort on the slow days than you are on the fast days. So, yeah, mentally trying to keep going was just, I don't know, I, it's hard to explain really just when you go and have your little kind of hour sleep at a time just when you get up the last thing you want to do is get back rowing and you just you're 1500 miles from land and you're just thinking to yourself that the only way i can actually get closer all you want to do is get to the other side is just to get back rowing and the more you row the faster you'll get there but it's just yeah it's mind-bending if we should touch on here is it's good touch on here as well we are depicting you here as a, as a nut who do this for the fun of it there was a very poignant reason yeah a very poignant reason behind this mission. We had to explain that to the viewers as well, and of course, how much you've raised since. Yeah, so the it as a as a challenge, it seems to be a really good way to raise money. I think because of the it just mind blowing to anyone you talk about it to. So, in terms of raising money for charity, everyone's very happy to donate, and it's been amazing. The support while I was out just felt like the whole of Wales was behind me, and the donations we started off. Over the few months beforehand, we'd raised about 10,000. And by the time I came into Antigua, we hit 30,000. And then within a couple of days, we're on 35,000. Wow. And now, two days ago, we've just ticked over 40,000. So the donations are still coming in. And that's for multiple sclerosis. And... For, yeah, so sorry, for the, for the MS Society. So the MS yeah. Society are doing a 10-year a appeal, basically, which is called the Stop MS Appeal. 
And the, the aim is to raise 100 million over 10 years. Um, and that 100 million, they reckon, I've been on a few of the research tours and all the stuff they're doing is amazing. And the, the chances of coming up with a cure or um, new medicine and stuff to stop certain types of MS progressing, they're like, they just they feel like they're just kind of months away or even even less really they're just constantly making big advances and they reckon that 100 million is going to really change the lives of a lot of people with ms so it's a yeah it's just been a really nice charity to work with as well they've kind of embraced me as part of the community and we've done loads of um fundraising events so not the last year obviously but before that when we first started they just uh, helped me out with everything and yeah it's been a really good one to be involved with bill yeah, can I ask? I'm going to risk having my leg pulled interminably now when I ask you this question, right? But it's something that's important. Who was your favourite teacher? No, come uh, on. He, uh, he <laughs> ask him who the best head of you was. He <laughs> I looked after him. Yeah, food. I mean, you you yeah. got a, you know 51 days. That's a lot of food, a lot of lot of drink. Tell us a bit about that because I read somewhere you were aiming perhaps up to 10,000 calories a day. Now I could live with that. But I wouldn't want to do that. That's a cricket tea, but wasn't it? You're gorgeous. Tell us about the food you had. Yeah, the, the food was um I don't know, I made I didn't make a mistake, but I, I kind of didn't give myself enough variety with the food. You've got a few different options really, but yeah. The key goal before you start is to fill your boat with as much food as you can, but save as much weight as you can at the same time, because you've got to drag it all the way across. Mm the ocean so we had dehydrated meals that you um you just boil up a little stove and you can um heat these meals up there as four meals a day which were a thousand calories a piece and then a few like protein shakes and energy bars and stuff like that but i was aiming to do it like as quick across and as i could do so i i went for like super high efficient energy stuff and Nothing with any real flavour, which I really regretted after like two weeks in. <laughs> if I went back, I would just pile on the chocolate and pile on the horrible stuff, yeah. stuff that's really bad for you. Because it doesn't really matter what you're eating because you burn off so many calories. Yeah, It's probably one time where you can't eat bad stuff. But um, yeah, I, I struggled with the food at the end. The last two weeks, I ran out of gas. I'd obviously been drinking too much coffee and um, having a nice time. So I just had cold rations for the last two, two and a half weeks, which was really grim <laughs> it, it, that's a logistical thing though yeah. and peter's actually asked a similar question what would have happened if you'd become unwell at, whilst you were out in the ocean and there must have been moments where you just felt like you couldn't carry on and you felt pretty awful just because of the the physical endurance you were going through did that ever occur to you yeah i had um we were, there was me and one other lad who went right out in front of the fleet at the start and we were kind of racing each other all the way and i managed to keep ahead for the first kind of, i think it was 12 Almost, yeah, almost till we got kind of a third of the way in. And then he, he got a really nice bit of weather and I got stuck in a bad patch and he kept it past me. And I was trying to catch him up for best part of four or five days. And I, I was just still stuck in this really bad patch. So I pushed super, super hard. I was rowing, I think, averaging 20 hours a day. A couple of days I did a bit more and just didn't sleep, just trying to keep up. And I think it was the fifth or sixth day, it just hit me like a train. And I was just... I could hardly like lift myself off the uh, off the seat. I was just slumped in the corner, just trying to get some extra calories and drink. I think it's a bit of heat stroke, a bit of dehydration, um, but you just it makes you feel just awful when you're out there because it's so hot all the time. I was so tired at that point. I just couldn't carry on rowing for a good few hours. I just had to rest up. Um, 
And yeah, you just, it gets you down really quickly rather than at home, mm. you probably lay on the sofa and watch a bit of TV, but it just, yeah, it messes with your head. You feel really, really vulnerable. I think at that point I was about a thousand miles from the nearest land and I just felt awful. I was just like, oh, I've messed wow. up. <laughs> yeah, you spoke about feeling down there, but such is the modern world. You can be out in the Atlantic Ocean and still connect with people on Facebook. And I know... I was one of many. Don't drop your Atlantic, phone, though. Your Atlantic Dragon Facebook page throughout. Did it help you to be able to connect, to be able to know that even though you couldn't speak to people directly, you were having messages of support from back home, could be communication with people close to you as well? Oh, oh, massively. Yeah. I think a few of those days where I was really struggling, I was kind of phone home just to have a bit of a boost and um, talk to people. And there was always so many messages piling in. I think there was, there was quite a few days where I did, like being tempted to have a bit of an extra rest, but someone would send me a message and I'd think, oh, you forget how many people are watching at home, tracking you all the way. And every time I went to have an extra rest, I'd be like, oh, everyone's going to see me rest and I better crack on. (laughs) (laughs) I really felt like I was doing it for kind of Pembrokeshire and Wales and all. I was like, I can't can't slow up. I got to get across as fast as I can. As long as you weren't trying to negotiate yeah. TikTok as well, you were all right. <laughs> oh, it was it was an absolute dream not having social media out there. Uh, yes. I, like it seemed like I was still connected, probably because uh, the team were doing it for me back here. But yeah, sure. I was. Yeah. It's such a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Gareth, that was an incredible feat. To, you know, row three thousand miles is absolutely bonkers. I have to say, especially you know, I'm not a rower or anything. I wouldn't even contemplate doing that sort of thing. Now that you've done it. Is there anything else that you would like to do? What's next? What next? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's been a big question. I, like, I promised myself <laughs> and, and lots of other people <laughs> that I'm not going to do anything for at least kind of six months to a year because, like, my body's still in a bit of a mess at the moment. Like, my legs and my ankles are going to take quite a while to recover my arms and stuff. But um, it's almost, yeah, it's gone. I thought it might kind of satisfy a bit of an adventure need but if anything it's gone the other way it's just kind of sparked something i just want to it won't be anything as big maybe for the next one but there's a few ideas coming in the pipeline okay, okay. when you've decided will you come back on and tell us <laughs> yeah definitely yeah you can announce a, it here first we said um there's me and one of the, the lad that came in just behind me um, another solo rower. We've, uh, I think, we'll be mates for life now. But we've we've had a few talks about a few adventure ideas and potentially like build Excellent. our own boat and do a crossing somewhere or something. Maybe do it a bit differently next time and just uh, add a few extra elements into the mix. You know? Yeah, indeed. Go on, Bill. Final word so only, only from your former head of year. Uh, yeah, from just tell them quickly how lovely I was. Go on, tell them I won't. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I wouldn't have had anyone else. Thank you. Oh, He's a lovely boy. I told you that. <laughs> What's happening to the boat, mate? That's all I want to know before we go. Are you going to hang on to it in case, or is it going? Well, luckily, um, I don't know. It seems to be, because a lot of people, it was meant to be a full fleet of boats this year. Everyone goes at the same time as part of the challenge. Um, but half of the people, because of COVID and the fundraising, it's such a big thing to fundraise for that half of the teams actually dropped out this year and moved on to next year's event. So for the next two years, there's like really, really high demand. So I actually sold the boat the day after I got in. Oh, um, great. And then, so it means basically we've raised £40,000 online, 
but with the proceeds of the boat and a few other, we've got a few other avenues. We've got a few things will be announced this week as well. Um, we're we're up to over sixty grand in the total, so uh, uh-huh. try and keep that excellent. Going well, listen, yeah, I think amazing. judging by the comments we've had, everyone in Pembroke is really proud of you. Sally's just said, amazing oh. achievement, a real legend. Well done, Gareth. A brilliant oh. amount of money for the MS Society as well. Um, Gareth, thank you very much for for joining us on Pure West Radio this evening. Oh, thank so, you. I hope you have Gareth. Yeah, indeed. Great to have you on. Uh, We will be back in a few moments' time. We're going to be talking cricket and some rugby to come before nine o'clock on Pure West Sport. Do you dream of being out on the road, taking in the sights and sounds of Pembrokeshire? Thanks to Fast Track Driving School, I'm free to venture around the county. And now it's your turn. Fast Track is a triple award-winning driving school covering Pembrokeshire, Carmarthen, Cardigan and Llanelli. If you fancy a change of career in 2021, they are also instructor trainers. They even run driving lessons for those as young as 14. Want to learn something new in the new year? Fast Track it. On Facebook at Fast Track Driving School or call on 0333 772 0801. See you on the road. Do you need a cash loan? Loans at Home could help. We offer loans of between £100 and £600 and have over 60 years of experience of helping people in the Pembrokeshire area and beyond. Go online at loansathome.co.uk to get a decision in principle now. Compare the price of home collected and other cash loans available in your area at www.lenderscompare.org.uk. Representative 466.4% APR. Loan subject to affordability. At KO Carpets, you know quality is assured. We've been your local family-run business for over 40 years. We're widely recognised as Pembrokes' leading supplier of domestic and contract flooring. We provide full end-to-end service, free measures and estimates, free delivery and free fitting by our professional team of highly skilled fitters. Come and see us at Vine Road, Johnston, or drop us an email, sales at kocarpets.com. We're a knockout at flooring. Follow Pure West Radio on Twitter at Pure West Radio. One night in heaven, one night in heaven, one night in heaven, one night in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I get to thinking while you were far away. Just how much I miss you and how time it takes away. So sad that we are fighting too much tension, too much pain. Sometimes we need reminding before it gets too late.
and people and one night in heaven on pure west radio for monday evening it's just gone quarter to nine pure west sport brilliant to talk to gareth reynolds that video uh, will stay on the facebook page you'll be able to have a look at that uh, over the next couple of weeks and a phenomenal challenge and a brilliant amount of money raised for the ms society so good to talk to him uh, so some news on the world of cricket in pembrokeshire with our next guest fraser uh, indoor cricket unfortunately won't be resuming no but that's certainly no fault of our next guest now and that's peter swansea jack davis um, <coughs> did such excellent work in organizing the indoor league it got off to a great start it was really well run and things were going well unfortunately circumstances took over and now we've got to the point where we've perhaps run out of time to continue it but there's been further good news of cricket coming in this week as well now jack um I mean, if you typically, mate, if you've been on you any time in the last two months, I would have started with a conversation about football, but we won't talk about that tonight. Um, <laughs> that's one weekend to bury. But no, it must have been a difficult decision for you, the, the indoor league. Obviously, it was out of your control, such. But to have got it started, it was so well attended. You had more teams than before to stop it. That must have hurt you quite a bit. Yeah, it did. But I think we have to put safety first. We could have gone on maybe for another week or so. But I think looking at the age of our umpires and people like that, we've got to put safety in every girl. Now, like you said, we had the hating situation of boys that take time sure. off work. Um, we didn't want that happening with the indoor league. But with a few weeks that did go ahead, you must have been pleased and you must have seen enough to know that you can run it again next year, hopefully for longer and a lot more successful as well. Yeah, we've, we've had a discussion um, with Martin Jones this week and Paul Miller. Uh, we're looking to perhaps start next year in October. Sure. Uh, we're hoping the 10 teams that were in this year will all come back in and hopefully yeah. we can get another two in. Um, running up to just the other side of Christmas before the Welsh finals, which next year should be held in Pembrokeshire. Mm. Bill? Yeah, Peter, nice to have you on the show, buddy. And I, I follow on from Fraser. I totally agree with all that he says. But in the end, looking at it on a positive note, the arrival of the Nayland Hub has been an amazing boost for indoor cricket and for cricket in general. And you can go ahead with your head held high because not long ago there were three or four teams and it looked as if Pembrokeshire indoor cricket was going to fold. I sing your praises for all you've done. I know you don't like me saying that, but it's true. And in the end, we can go forward with great anticipation. And I think it's fair to say get a couple more of the top teams so we can have two divisions. Chriselli, Carew, St. Ishmael's, Whitland, are you listening? Then, you know, it can go ahead and be more of a success than it's been this year because I saw quite a few of the games and it was brilliant. Yeah, I, I think if you look, Pembroke Dock, who had been in before Bill, came back in this year with a young side. And when we had the Seaster League, they were unbeaten along with Nayland A and Harford West B, which was Harford West's stronger side. Um, Narvath is another very young side. Yeah. And they look, you know, perhaps if these two sides can keep going a couple of years into it, they could well be challenging <coughs> to take on the, you know, the Harford West and Nayland. Yeah, listen. Peter, would you like to see more? Bill touched on it. Would you like to see more of the county club sides taking part, participating? Because um, you know they're not doing much in the winter months. Some of them play rugby or football, I know. But on a Sunday, they've got very good cricket teams in Kiru, Griselli. I mean, they should be playing and making this a stronger league. Would you like to see that happen? Yeah, I think I touched on this before, Gordon. Is that if you look at the last few years, the teams that have won most of the trophies are half of Western Maryland. And they sharpen their skills in the winter by playing the indoor league. The yeah. best fielding teams. Um, yeah. I, I think if Kiro, Casali, Whitland, Tish, anyone wanted to come in, 
it'll add more to the competition with a with a standard that they bring as well. We yeah. have one perhaps one competitive league and a social league for the other sides to play in, yeah. where everything is sort of at similar levels. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Pete, I've spoken at length with some of those clubs who were very good cricket insights, and their argument has always been for years they've tried it and said it's not for us because it's not proper cricket. Now, my argument is that they are wrong because, like you say, all right, it's not the same batting in there, but the running between the wickets and the skills to direct the ball, the bowling, making sure you get a tight, and especially it is no... Uh, just quirk of fate that Nayland were by far the best field inside in the county. They hone those skills on the indoor cricket. And I think that's where we can perhaps get these clubs to say, put in a, a young team, especially if the county club can then say next year's free entry again, or a reduced entry uh, cost, and to say to them, get your youngsters out there, have one person who's responsible in the club, a, 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 an older player or someone who's really keen, and say, Will you get a team and enjoy it? And I think I think you'll get that in time. Yeah, I, I hope so. Because when we were in Tenby, we had um, the club like Crusaders come in, the mixture of Langham and uh, Hopkins, mm. and they were all youngsters, and they thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, also, it was a mixed side there as well from the the district side, uh, like Jordan Howell playing it, and then Jordan came in this year. Um, they. First game, they were a little bit out of it a bit, but uh, after that, you could see that they played indoor league before, and and, and they shone as well. The couple of other boys who were played in it. Peter, away from the indoor thing for a second. Obviously, you're part of the county executive and the on the committee, and the outdoor fixtures now being released. That's given everyone a bit of a lift, hasn't it? And touch wood now with restrictions, <coughs> we'll be able to go ahead. That's something to look forward to in it, and something exciting. Yeah. Um, I just hope we can start on time, or sure. if, if we can't start on time, or if we start on time, if we if we play like we did last year for a couple of weeks until restrictions are lifted mm. further, where we just have a bunch of thirty people in the bubble. But I think we, my personal opinion is, we get it started if we can. I think mm. people will adhere whatever for the sake of playing. I think yeah, people yeah, have missed yeah. it for so long. People will adhere whatever, especially yeah. cricket. Aiming towards. The- the 25th of April, Peter, aren't you, for, for those games to start? S- Sunday the 25th. So that, that at least gives us a target where, if all goes well, we'll, we'll get some cricket back on in Pembrokeshire. Yeah, and, and fair play to the county executives. You know, they've got yeah. the out, um, cup draws are all done. They want to get it up and running as well. Um, I think the club's all itching to go. So mm. if we have got to start with restrictions like we did last year, my personal opinion is let's go for it, let's start it. I think there's after the outset last year, people were against it. Oh, we can't go watch the boys. But I think the coverage that you guys gave us as well um, helped a lot with, you know, live Twitter stories from from the Hamas Nalan and things like that. It's great. Um, to be honest, it was eerie at the, for those of us who were at that final, it was really eerie not having the crowd involvement and oh, yeah. fair play to Sally and the county exec for what they've done on the day. Mm. Yeah. I think it's good to sing the praises as Peter has done at the Mm. county club. It's easy to criticise them. Paul Webb's got the right answer. The county club administers it on behalf of the teams and the members, the clubs and the members. And people should get on if they want to change that. But to get those games played last year when most of the county organisations in Wales didn't play competitive cricket, to play all our... You know, for the first team, 
The second year, the only one that missed was the Debbie Morris, which I thought was a shame. But the, the youth played as well, and they had cricket, and that's what counts. Yeah. If we can get some people in to watch, that's an added bonus. Yeah. But for cricket yeah. players in Premiership, football and rugby, Fraser looking on in envy, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, Pete, you can convey that back as well as yeah. us saying to you, you've done a brilliant job this year, mate. Yeah, Peter, thank you ever so much for coming on and we'll thank talk you to you again, no doubt, once that cricket season gets going. But thank you for being with us on Great. Pure West Radio, as always, on a Monday evening. We really, yeah. really appreciate that. And as I say, the, the opening round of fixtures coming up at 25th of April uh, with a full programme of games scheduled on the first uh, for the yeah. first, first division. That, w- that will be really good. And Fraser might well be in action as well, uh, which will be good. <laughs> it's it's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can I just say as well, tell Jill, you know, she's a lovely girl yeah. and I love her. Yeah. <laughs> That's a cruel haircut, mate. That's a cruel I haircut. Can't, I can't talk about haircuts. No, uh, no, me. No, no. All, all over. Oh, lock, no, lockdown is... Lockdown isn't easy. Peter, thank you very much. Thank, thank you for you being Pete. with us yeah, on Pure West Sport th- this evening. Really, really good to Cheer speak Pete. to you. Uh, so... Yeah. It will carry on because we're going to we're going to go through till nine o'clock. And uh, it sounds like when they do start the cricket, uh, chaps, there won't be any cricket tees on the opening day. So that does beg the question: ah, uh, where will Gordon and Bill? Where will Gordon and Bill be watching their cricket on the opening day? Kerry, we shall continue to go all over the country if there's cricket, Bill, won't we? Like we, yeah, we will. If there's tees the or no tees, ha- it's like I'm Darby sure Marlon will pack up a box for you and yeah. we'll be away, mate. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll it's look like Stadler and Waldorf from the Muppets when we're on the boat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fraser, you'll be in action on the opening day. Let, let's hope it, if selected. I, I, hope, I hope to be, if selected, if I can sneak into the 22. But yes, no, to be honest, you know, usually I grumble at the thought of going down to Stackpole on a Sunday in, in April. But now yeah. <laughs> I, I, it, it, I take it. I take it. I drive way beyond Stackpole just for a game of cricket and just a yeah. thing to start. And Fraser, no pressure, but this season you're obviously part of a very successful radio show now. So your your cricket exploits this summer will well, be documented. I was, I was hoping Peter was going to offer us a, a pure West spot in the indoor league there. Between <laughs> the four of us, a couple of producers out the back, we could knock something together. I mean, I saw yeah. some things play. We wouldn't be too far off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I won't mention the names. That's worth noting. Listen, we've only got five minutes to go, and we really should talk about a few things that are coming up this weekend. The sure. small matter, of course, of the return of the, the Six Nations had its its week off this time around, and all eyes, gents, will be on Cardiff, Wales against England. Now, this is the question: Who, who do we make as favourites for this game? But we wish to one. I mean, I'm, I'm quite confident. I would have some confidence. I'm glad to, to hear Wales. that. Um, they are on the winning momentum, haven't they? they? They've had those two. My my fear about England is they're yet to properly fire. I think they came into the Six Nations. They were made clear favourites for the bookies. I thought that was slightly naive when you consider the core of that side. You know, Jamie George, Owen Farrell, Mario Itoje, you know, Elliot Daly at fullback, Bully, Billy Vinopori. And these are Saracens players who had so little rugby. They, they came in Fraser, they played all their lives. You keep saying that. Mm. They can play at that level. It's a big difference. A couple of months out that. At that level is a big difference. Okay. I don't think so, mate. But okay. I, I think I think England have to have a rethink. I, I don't think that, you know, it's one thing playing the way they are. I don't think they're using their dynamic runners outside. Owen Farrell at 12 isn't creating much. He seems to be going through a bit of a, you know, a poor patch by his standards. So I... I I think they need the conviction to go for, for forward at 10 and, and possibly look at leaving Farrell out, which was inconceivable a year ago. Well, let's go around the table, shall we? Let's get some predictions for, for this game. Who, who's going to win in Cardiff on Saturday? Bill Kahn. I, I'm sad to say, you know, I'm the worst tipster in the world, so I'm going to take we had anyway, in the hope 
But I have to say, Fraser's mentioned about Farrell. I, I don't like his attitude. He he late tackled um, to, um, young Varney, Steve Varney, did, in yeah. that game against Italy that was wicked. And he just, he got away with that. He wasn't even yellow carded. He could have got sent off. And he's, he's very good at dishing out the dirt. And I... For that reason alone, I hope England don't win it, although I tip them. See, and, but I, I think they're going to be very strong as, as they came on. I agree with Gordon. They should be fit and ready to go all the training they can do anyway. But in the end, I think England might just uh, be too strong for us by about 10 points. I think I'm going to tip England as well. I think England are due a performance. And I think Wales have edged their luck a little bit at times in this in this tournament. But we shall see. Fraser? I'll go England by five in the hope that I'm wrong. Blimey. Wow. Turncoat, Fraser Watson. Fraser Watson tipping England. Gordon, are you going to fly that, dra- that, that dragon flag? Come on. Well, I, I can see everyone is going to that way, so I'm always an opposite. I'll go for Wales, a sneaky seven-point win. Yeah, OK. Uh, boy, what about you, Stoney? I'm going to tip England. I, I think England are due a performance, so I, I'm going to say England by... I think England by ten. We that's we should a, also. That's what I said. But I, well, I'll agree with you. I'm allowed to agree with you, Bill, from time to time. <laughs> oh well, I'll, I'll see England by fifteen then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we we should also we should also mention we've spoken a lot about Stephen Varney and other Pembrokeshire. Yes. The cruel luck of late. Josh McLeod, he'd set to have yeah. his, his debut in the autumn. Yeah. Hamstring strain wasn't shame. too concerning. You always felt he'd come back. Now with his serious injury, we're looking six months mm-hmm. and your heart really does bleed for him. He's been in such good form. He's maintained that form. He's come back from injury and now, unfortunately, you know, he's looking at a very long spell out and, and a serious period of rehabilitation. Yeah, we just wish him well. We, we, we just wish him well. Too right. uh, hi, I, am Tom. Wo- I am wondering which English player is going to get sent off. Well, you, you probably tipped over. It's usually a Tom Tudor yeah, said. Tom Tudor has said Wales. Yeah. He's 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 posted lots of Wales flags uh, on the on the Facebook page. So definitely back in Wales for for the victory there. Uh, it's going to be a, an interesting Six Nations. There's no doubt about it. And all eyes will be on what happens with France because they've now had ten players test positive for COVID. Yeah. Um, so will that game go ahead? Decision um, due on Wednesday by the Six yeah. Nations, I believe. So, but mm, if it good does old go councillor Tom Tudor. That's all I will say. I'm quietly confident that. Ireland will beat Italy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Sticking your neck out there, Gordon, as, as always. Um, Listen, chaps, it's been a, an excellent show again uh, this evening. Brilliant to talk to Gareth Reynolds. I think an absolute inspiration. And what, yeah. you know, a, a, amidst it all, we, we almost lose sight of the fact that he's raised nearly £60,000 for the MS yeah. Society as well. Yeah, uh, brilliant effort. Take your hat off to him. That, that was phenomenal. And, and I'd urge anyone to watch that video again and support Gareth with this challenge and, and the next one. I thought he was fantastic. Good to hear from Peter Davis as well. The signs are there. We might get some cricket back in Pembroke at the end of April and slowly but surely, slowly but surely, we might get some normality back as well. There could be light at the end of the tunnel. I've enjoyed your company, chaps. We'll do it again next week and we'll do the Saturday show as well make sure you join us of course uh, from eight on saturday back to back with steve parsons and ronnie J. next on pure west radio this is pure west radio good evening it's the final monday of the month which means it's not the west files so if you've tuned in to catch the west files you can catch that on the podcast because tonight uh, is In fact, back-to-back with Ronnie and Steve. Ronnie, we hope, will be joining us later. 